Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that we have again to just study. Um, In these few short moments, Lord, we ask for wisdom that is beyond our years, especially as we peruse scriptures that are familiar to us. Uh, Help us to take that which is most important to our own hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to study another character now. His name is Daniel. Daniel and John are my favorite characters outside of Jesus himself. And we're going just to look at his character and how his abiding with Christ is an example to us. You have your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. And I'm going to try to be aware of my time. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with the part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability to, in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, what I did was I was observing the text, as I normally do when I read the scriptures, And this earthly monarch, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, has several requirements. The first one was that he was looking for children of Israel that had no blemish. No blemish. The second was that they were looking for people who were skillful in wisdom. Thirdly, he was looking for folks cunning in knowledge. Fourthly, he's looking for a people that had an understanding of science. Fifthly, that they had an ability to stand in the king's palace. And we're going to come to that point, explain that point further as we go along. They were able to teach them the learning and the language or tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, I thought it was interesting that an earthly monarch would have such high standards. Anybody else find that interesting? I find it interesting that an earthly monarch would have such high standards for who he would want to stand in his court. But as I look at these six points here, I think to myself, well, these six points are no different from what our king in heaven would want. Is that right? Our king in heaven wants people that have no blemish. He wants people that are skillful in wisdom and cunning and knowledge. He wants us to understand the true science of nature. He wants us to have the ability to stand before his throne. And he wants us to be able to learn the language, not of the Chaldeans, but the language of heaven. Is that right? So these six things are very important, but I'm going to introduce a seventh. And this seventh one was demonstrated and amplified by Daniel himself. What does that last one say, my friends? He purposed, should be with a D, in his heart. Go back to Daniel chapter 1, and I want us to look at verse number 8. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, 
nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now I thought this was interesting. His purpose in his heart. Now I'm going to ask you a question and we're going to talk a little bit more in this group setting here. So what does it mean to purpose in one's heart? What did you say? It's a determination. All right. Anyone else? What does it mean to purpose in your heart? It was a commit. What did you say? It's an intense. Okay, I have a question for you. Another one. Have you purposed in your heart to live a life wholly consecrated to God? Like a resolve, a pure 100%, I will not compromise my stand on whatever it might be. Have you made that decision in your heart? Because once you make that resolute decision, I tell you, this one decision led Daniel from being a captive in Babylon to being a prince in Babylon. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This decision right here, because if Daniel never purposed in his heart in verse 8, he would have never been the top of all the princes in Daniel chapter 6. Are you following the idea? There's a resolution. There's a purpose in one's heart. And again, I want to ask you, Personally, have you made a resolute decision to follow after God with 100% of what you are? So in verse 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, that word defile, when it's used, is directly connected with sanctuary language, you know, defiling the sanctuary. So he saw himself as a temple. He saw himself as a holy place. I'm going to ask you a question. Why do you say grace before you eat? Do you say grace before you eat? You bow your head, bless the food? Why do you do that? You're giving, you're giving thanks. What did you say? So you don't die? Okay. Why do you say grace before? Do you, is it a, what kind of grace do you say? You thank him for the food, right? You asked that he blesses the food, right? Do you know that the only reason why you do that is because you're offering food to the God of heaven? In fact, you are a body temple. And the body temple, the food that you're offering, you're offering to the God of heaven. You're thanking him for that food. It's a thank offering that you're taking into your body. Y'all not hearing nothing I said. We don't take blood sacrifice into our body. Blood sacrifice is the animal with the blood and fat in it. That's, that's blood sacrifice. That's able sacrifice. But we're bringing a thank offering. Thank you, Father, for this food. What's in a thank offering? Tell me what's in a thank offering. What's normally in a thank offering in the Bible? Does anybody know? Yes, grains and fruits and vegetables. Those are thank offerings. Do you realize that Daniel says, I'm going to eat pulse? That's stuff that grows from the ground. He's taking thank offering. He's bringing it and he's offering it to the God of heaven. He's putting those holy things into the body temple. He resolves and purposes in his heart not to defile the temple. Now, please keep that in mind because as he's purposes in his heart not to defile the temple, why are they in Babylon in the first place? They are in Babylon because they defiled the earthly temple, they desecrated the earthly temple. So God says, because you have desecrated the earthly temple, now you're going to be captive in Babylon. Now Daniel says, well, I am a 
sanctuary myself. I will not defile this temple. I will only put that which is holy in this body. Now, this is important, my friends, because once he desires and purposes his heart not to desecrate his body, he is now placed in a position where God can honor him. Look at verse number nine. It says, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now, I thought that was an interesting passage. It says, God brought Daniel into favor. Go with me to the book of Proverbs for a moment. Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And look at what it says, beginning at verse 1. Pay close attention because how Daniel was brought into favor is the same way we can be brought into favor. Now watch what it says. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law. But let thine heart keep my, what's it say? Commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of who, my friends? God and who? Wait a second. Based on this verse or verses, how is one brought into favor? Faithfulness to God's commandments. Are you paying attention? Wait, think about it some more. I want to read it one more time. I want you to pay attention to the idea because when I read these stories, again, I don't read these stories as if God shows these people special favor and I don't get to have that same favor. I read the stories and say, if God showed Daniel favor, why is it that he has this favor? So let's read it again. Proverbs 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of who, my friends? God and who else? Well, that's interesting. If you take the Ten Commandments, tell me, what are the two great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart and your mind and your soul. And what's the second great commandment? Love your neighbor as your? On these two great commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Yes? Interesting. So you have favor with God and man by keeping his law. Everybody follow that? So Daniel was a commandment-keeping person, and then because he was such a commandment-keeping person, the world and God saw favor in him. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Some of us believe that if we keep God's commandments, the world's going to look at it strangely. You know what? It's not true. In fact, true story I'm testifying right now, I have another company that I have. And I work with this company, and in this company that I, that I have and I work with, there are some associates that are not Adventists. In fact, a large portion of them are, yes, they are the other. I go to the conferences, the business conferences. They have a conference on Sabbath. I got a call yesterday, Andre, we want you to be in this elite training program with the top executives in the company, could you come Saturday morning at 9.30 or 10 to 30 in the morning? I said, my brother, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. 
You are what? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. He says, forgive me for my ignorance. What is a Seventh-day Adventist? I said, praise the Lord. (laughs) I began to walk through what a Seventh-day Adventist was in a very short, simple manner. He says, wow, that's interesting. So he says, so you're different from Latter-day Saints. I said, yes, we are definitely different from Latter-day Saints. And then I began to walk through the history of how all the different denominations came together and all that. He says, man, that's amazing. He says, Andre, I said to him, I said, so you understand, Paul, that the reason why I can't attend. I said it would be a violation of my conscience and I can't do that. He says to me, I understand. He said, I respect that. I actually look at you as a greater man now than I did before. You're talking about being in favor with God and man. And this has happened on more than one occasion with this company, with some of the top people in that company, because I've decided, you know what? I'm not going to compromise, even though it might be good for my pocketbook. But if you obey God, you do what he asks you to do, you grow in favor. So when you read the passage, go back to Daniel for a moment. Go back to Daniel, Ezekiel, Daniel. Go back to Daniel for a moment. So when you read Daniel and it says in verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Boom. He's saying, I'm going to keep God's commandments. Then he says, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. I don't need to ask why or how now. I know how. Because he kept God's commandments, God brought him into favor. Now, this is available for all of us. This is available for all of us. This is not Daniel special. This is, guess what? This is an example for all of us to be special. Now watch, watch. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who have appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy service, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse to eat is that stuff that grows from the ground. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Now pause for a moment. I always want to reiterate this point. Ten days. Now, first of all, all the people that were captive were all children of Israel, yes? Okay. All of them on the top six points... All the children did all six of these points, except for the last one, number seven. So all of them are Jews, all of them are Adventists, whatever you want to say. And for 10 days, there's a change in diet for some. And for 10 days, there's a keeping and maintaining of a diet that God approves of. Now, this tells me in the chapter that after 10 days, Daniel's face was fairer and fatter. Anybody went on a diet for 10 days? Okay. I've done it. I've actually did the uh, fat, sick, and nearly dead one. Anybody ever did that one before? I did that when I had a friend who weighed over 400-something pounds. 
and I went with him on the 30-day fast just juicing. It was quite an experience. Uh, I won't tell you about it right now, but it was really good. And anyway, at the end of 10 days, you can see differences. But to be that distinctly different? I think on two fronts. A, I believe that there was a physical difference, no question about it. I think at the, if you change your diet and you're used to eating vegetarian and for 10 days you eat meat, you're probably going to get sick. Right? So on that side, yes. And on the other side, now God honors your act of faith in honoring him. You follow what I'm saying? So in other words, there's no magic in the pulse. But because you ate the pulse in faith, God blesses that food to make you look better. Are you following the idea? I'll give you another example. Here's uh, Jericho marching around the thing six times. And on the seventh day, march around seven times. If you run around and yell really loud, how many walls are going to fall down? The walls fall down because you run around and yell? No, but the act of marching is an act of faith. The act of yelling is an act of faith. So God blesses your act of faith and walls come tumbling down. Are you following the idea? So when you embrace the health message, the power is not in the nuts. The power is not in the soy product. The power is in the God of the soy product or the, the God of the nut, or the God of the fruit. The God of that fruit blesses your act of faith, and that fruit now gives power and life to you that it did, wouldn't have given any other way. There's a difference. Are you following the idea, my friends? So here, his face is fairer and fatter. Now watch verse 17. It says, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in how much learning? Man, I, I hope y'all getting this. One of the greatest things in my life that I love to do, I love to learn. I love to read. I want to learn as many languages as I can. I want to learn how to go in the garden and make things grow. Like, how does that work? <laughs> huh? I want to know how to make a, my family happy. I, I want to understand, how do you help a church grow? I mean, God gave them knowledge and skill in the Bible. Is that, is that what it says? What does it say? What does it say? What kind of learning? Where were they at? What city were they in? You mean God gave them knowledge in Babylonish education? You mean they were amongst the Babylonians and they were smarter than them? Where are the faithful Adventists today? I tell you, I read these things and I say to myself, God is no respecter of persons. If you want knowledge and wisdom in whatever field you function in, whether it's a doctor or a nurse, whether it's a, a fireman or a policeman, whether it's an engineer or a mathematician, if you want to know how to get to the moon and back, God can give you wisdom beyond any of these earthly schools can give you. Are you following what I'm saying? It says, God gave them learning and wisdom, and Daniel, listen to this, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I love this. Now, at the end of the days that the kings had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Watch this. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, 
that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better. What's ten times better? So what's ten times ten? A hundred. What's ten times a thousand? Uh, you guys are a little slow on that one. <laughs> he was ten times wiser than the wisest wise man. You think God's a respecter of persons? No, he's not a respecter of persons. You see, if you want that wisdom, sister, there's nothing that will stop you from having that wisdom. My brother, there's nothing that will stop you from having that type of wisdom to stand before kings, to give answers that even the most regular men and women cannot answer. He wants to exalt his people ten times wiser, ten times better. Why? Because at the end of the day, those who truly are connected will always give honor to who? They will give it to God. Daniel was wise, but he was not wise in and of himself. Daniel was wise because he was full of the Holy Spirit. You're going to notice I'm going to be repeating some things that you've already heard, but I'm going to repeat them again and again because watch this. I want to take you a little bit further into Daniel's experience. Daniel chapter 2, everybody knows that chapter? That's when they had the dream, the image. Daniel's friends are faithful. Yes? Great. Daniel 3. Here's the golden image that's set up. We're going to pass this chapter 2 because time is running out. But in Daniel 3, Daniel and his friends, or his friends are faithful. Daniel 4, this is where I want to go. So in Daniel 4, and I want you to see something that I just happened to see. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. So who is talking in uh, Daniel chapter 4? Who's Who's talking? Nebuchadnezzar. Now, who is he writing to? Yeah, he's writing to everybody on the earth, yes? I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Does that sound like the first angel's message to you? He's saying that this God is a great and merciful and powerful God. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Now watch this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace, and I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, watch this, but at the last came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. Watch what the next part says. And in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Wait a second. What is he talking about? What is Nebuchadnezzar recognizing in Daniel? That's right. Nebuchadnezzar recognizes in Daniel that Daniel is full of a spirit. He doesn't know exactly what to call it, so he just calls it the spirit of the holy gods is in this man. But Daniel is full of the Holy Spirit. 
Watch. Daniel chapter 5. Jump down. Start at verse 1. And again, we're highlighting Daniel. You guys have studied these other things so many other times. I just want to highlight some other parts here. In Daniel chapter 5, it says, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to the thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the gold and silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple, out of the house of God, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, brass, iron, wood, and stone. And in the same hour came forth the finger of a man's hand and rolled over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loose and his knees smote one against the other. The king cried aloud to bring in who, my friends? The astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was the king Belshazzar greatly troubled and his countenance was changed in him and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in the kingdom in whom is the spirit of the what? Wait a second. So these worldlings can recognize whether or not you have the right spirit. I say this to say to you, and I'm just trying to be as blunt and as clear as possible. As a people, we have not truly embraced the, the Holy Spirit. It is a theoretical ascent to information. It is not experiential, my friends. You and I must have the indwelling of the Spirit of God if we're going to stand before kings, if we're going to stand before queens, if we're going to stand before our bosses, whoever else is there that we need to represent before. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God, my friends. And it starts right here. Purpose in one's heart. You must make a resolute decision. I will live for God and no one else. Not for my wife. I'm not living for my wife. I'm not living for my daughter. I'm living for God. I'm not living for my paycheck. I'm living for God. I'm not living for my pleasure. I'm not living for my food. I'm living for God. You remember Moses? He goes into the mountain in the presence of God. And he's there for how many days? 40 days and what? And as he's there for 40 days and 40 nights, he does not eat bread, nor does he drink water. Please explain to me, how does he live? By God's presence. God's presence alone was enough to sustain Moses. Do you realize, and I'm going to say this this way, don't, don't get it twisted what I'm about to say. The fruit that you eat is borrowed life from God. 
Did you hear what I just said? The bread that you take and you make it in the bread and then you eat it and you put it into your body, you realize that bread essentially just has the borrowed life of God in that bread. You are not sustained by bread. You are sustained by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is why Moses was able to stand in the presence of the Holy God without food or water for 40 days. If we realize, begin to understand that our source of life and our source of strength is from God himself, then we won't be afraid to stand in the last hours of our history. When they say you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark, that don't bother me. Because my bread and water is sure in the most high God. The thing is, my friends, and I, I wanna, I'm going to boil it down because it's time to stop for real. I'm going to boil it down. Boil it, boil it, boil it, boil it, boil it. Here it is. You ready? Salvation is you depending on God for everything. Salvation is you depending on God for everything. Stop doing it by yourself. Stop trying to be a Christian by yourself. Say, Father, I am all yours. Show me, teach me. And as he teaches you, he will himself come and instruct you. I, I, listen, I, there are days. I remember I was traveling to, uh, to Botswana, Africa. I was traveling with these two great evangelists. I won't tell you their names. But I was completely and utterly, I felt completely incompetent being with these great men of God. So I'm over there in Botswana. And I, for a whole month, I essentially prepared and I created a manual about this thick. Because I didn't want to go over there and be a punk. You know what I'm saying? I was ready. (laughs) I was ready. I get over there to that country. And I remember 2 o'clock in the morning. A voice, it's outside of my own mind, called my name, Andre. And I'm in a foreign country. I'm like, who's in my, who's in here? <laughs> I'm looking around. And I try to go back to sleep. Maybe 10 minutes later, Andre. I said, okay, it must be the Lord. You ever had that happen? So I get up. I begin to open my Bible. And I began to study. And as I'm studying, I'm literally getting new stuff out of the Bible that I've never seen before. Like no evangelist ever told me certain things. So I'm reading, I'm studying. And I get up and I preach it. Next night, same thing. Andre, I got up. And I'm reading. And I'm reading. And the reality is, as I'm reading, I believe and I trust that holy angels are standing by my side guiding me as I'm reading and studying, showing me things that I've not seen before. When, when you open this book, here's a secret. You want to learn how to abide? Open this book and say, Lord, I am but a child. I do not understand everything. If you think you understand the Sabbath, you open the book and you say, I understand the Sabbath. I promise you in that mindset, you will learn nothing new. Open the book. Father, I am but a child. 
Please show me. Teach me. And I'm telling you, my friend, there are some beautiful Bible studies that the Lord has dropped into my brain as I'm studying back and forth, back and forth. If you dedicate yourself to God, this is not just for preachers. This is for you. Personally, God wants to come and commune with you just like he did with Daniel, just like he did with Moses, just like he did with those great men of the past, great women of the past. He wants you. Anybody in here ever dated anybody? You ever date somebody? Can I see your hand? You ever dated? Don't act like you ain't never date. I seen you. Now, in those initial stages of dating, at least I remember when I first started dating my bride, you couldn't get enough of being around each other. The initial stages. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about the initial stages. In the initial stages, you was like, man, you're on the phone all the time. You're off the phone. You're in their presence. You're just always around. I had to make rules, right? I was like, all right, sweetie, we can't talk to each other after 9 o'clock. That's it, cutoff time. We make that rule, it would be 9.30. But Lord, this ain't going to work. I might as well marry this woman. It's that great love that's the desire just to be close. You realize that we don't have that same passion towards God, but I tell you the truth, God has that passion towards us. He's looking for some friends, my friend. He's looking for people to sit and commune and talk with them and fellowship with them. And when I think about it, and this is not nothing profound, at least in my mind, to me, When I think about it, and I think about how big he is. Did you hear the sermon this morning, Brother Lemon's sermon? And you start thinking about this great plan of salvation and all the machinations that he's going through just to save one. I think about it, and I say to myself, what am I to God that he cares so much about me? What am I to him? You know what I am to him? I'm his son. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. I am a son of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of the most high God. Do you know what that means? Most high God, I'm his son. I kind of relate to it how Jesus was called his father, but he did that as an example for us, you know. If I am his son, and he is the creator of all the universe and in control of all things, what is it that he will not give me? What good gift will he withhold from me? No good gift will he withhold. What great secret will the God of heaven keep from you? None. I was talking to the Lord, and I wish I could tell you my whole testimony, but I was studying, I don't know if you've ever listened to my study I do on Revelation chapter 10. So in Revelation chapter 10, I go through verse by verse. 
But there's this point in Revelation chapter 10 where it's this rainbow, right? And this rainbow is a symbol of God's everlasting covenant. So one day as I was on the plane and I've been talking to God about a property because Tekoa needed a property and we needed a property. I prayed for it. I don't have no money in the bank, but we need a property. I'm praying for it. And one day as we were flying in a plane, I saw a rainbow. And in that rainbow, I saw, okay, God's talking to me. Because everybody else on the plane didn't understand the language of heaven. So the, I understand the language of heaven. Rainbow means covenant. Everybody in the plane didn't see. I understood covenant. Do you know when we finally bought our property in New Hampshire? Maybe a day or two after, there was a rainbow that was over our property. I'm saying heaven was talking to me because I understand his love language. I'm saying Daniel was special because he purposed in his heart. He committed himself to saying, Father, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. Whatever you want me to be, I'm going to be. God said, okay, Daniel, I'm going to give you ability to understand visions and dreams. Same thing he's done with the church. He's given us special gifts, my friends. My question is, will you accept his, his love invitation, his special counsel, if you will, to fellowship, to commune, to be in oneness with him? That's what he wants. It's nothing complicated. I mean, I really don't have to preach no more. If you could just get in your minds... The Father wants me. He wants to be so close that there's nothing that separates me and him. And he is so patient that no matter how many times I fall, he's going to keep coming for me. If you can get it in your mind that he loves you so much that there's nothing in this world that will separate you from him, I guarantee you, the more you come in merger with him, the more and more you're going to be like him. Because he wants you more than you want yourself. Man, I'm, I wish I could just express it more, but I, there's, a, there's only so much words you can say, you know? It's like, <laughs> how many more stories you want me to read? I can read some more passages. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. When you leave this place, don't get so distracted by everybody that you lose your communion with God. Do you know the last temptation of the enemy is to distract you so much that you lose view of your Savior, Jesus Christ? That's all. Every temptation that you got is about distracting you from Jesus. Oh, what are you going to watch on TV tonight? Or are you going to go on YouTube? Or are you going to go to a friend's house? Everything's about distraction. If you can figure out how to fix your eyes on Jesus, there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. You will live a life of victory and power in Jesus. We got a trial to go through, my friends. There's a test coming to us, but I'm not afraid of that test. I'm not going to look at the storm that's all about me. My eyes are fixed on one man. His name is Jesus. I will finish this talk with my favorite quotation. As the student of the Bible beholds the Redeemer, there's awakened in the soul the mysterious power of faith, adoration, and love. Upon the vision of Christ, the gaze is fixed. 
and the beholder grows into the likeness of that which he adores. Education, page 192. Where are your eyes fixed, my friends? Don't fix them on your wife. Don't fix them on your husband. Don't fix them on your children. Don't fix them on the conference. Don't fix them on anyone else but Jesus. And he will guide you safely through, my friends. How many believe the word of God? Let me see your hands. Amen. Let's go to our knees. Father in heaven, just thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for not giving us what we deserve. Thank you, Father, for your dear son. Thank you for passionately and lovingly, Lord, just staying with us and chasing us and just bringing us closer to yourself. Father, my prayer for each one of my friends in this room is that you remove the scale from our eyes and that we would see Jesus. Please show us Jesus as he is in the most holy place right now. Please reveal him to our stale hearts, Father. Lord, we have heard so many sermons. We have listened to so many lectures. But Father, I pray right now and claim the promise where two or three are gathered, you're in our midst. And Father, there are more than two or three here. Father, please. We pray this in the name of Jesus, knowing that you could do abundantly above whatever we ask or think. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.